Hey, Res family. This is Pastor Daniel, and I have Elder Nathan Mayer with me, and uh, we're going to be talking through the uh, introduction to our uh, cultural values here at Resurrection Church. And so we have this uh, introduction that says this about gospel culture. It says, our goal is to worship God and work faithfully at the things that Jesus left for us to do, becoming more like him in the process. As a church, we believe that doing this together will produce the following things that we call gospel culture. So, uh, Nathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's uh, so exciting to get to talk about what God is doing at Resurrection Church and what we believe he's calling us to as a family. Yeah. Uh, And I heard you tell me earlier that you have switched from regular coffee to mushroom coffee. Is that? That's right. Yeah. Um, So, I don't know about y'all, but caffeine is sort of my crutch for dealing with busy work days and uh yeah when i'm when i'm stressed out it really starts to kill my joy and kill my peace and so i'm trying to cut down on the caffeine which means looking for alternative hot beverages that have less caffeine and so mushroom coffee is what i'm on mushroom right now coffee, mushroom, mushroom coffee, coffee. Yeah. so i I've, promise it's not no hallucinogens involved <laughs> it's just regular old mushrooms and a few other things, plus some coffee. And it's pretty tasty. So I will take your word for it. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I've been working on drinking coffee later. So delaying my coffee intake until I've been awake for more than an hour. I read some interesting science about that. And so I've been waking up and drinking a liter of water when I wake up and letting my body kind of get started with like digestion and other things and trying to wait until I've sort of stabilized and I'm awake and then I drink coffee. So I'm on my first cup today, even though I've been up for hours and uh, it's kicking in. So I'm feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll both be a little slower than usual. There you go. There you go. All right. So uh, we felt in our elder retreat that it was necessary to frame each of our values and to, to do that in a way that we kind of explained the main goal and what we thought the values would lead to. And that's this idea that uh, it's our job as uh, redeemed, uh, adopted sons and daughters of the king to worship God and to work uh, at the things that he left. So the great commission, the great commandments are the things that Jesus left us as instructions of things to do until he comes back. And uh, it's interesting that in the process of doing that, he he, he transforms us, he, yeah. cha- he changes us. Um, you know, what about the the, the opening uh, statement, this sort of framework of transformation and, and work here on earth? It stood out to you as we were, you know, sitting at the elder retreat trying to, trying to figure this out. I think the, the key point here is the centrality of worship. Mm. So you and I, we were created to worship God. And that's not just in our singing or in our church attendance, but in everything we do, in the breaths we take in, in the beats of our heart, in the work that we do with our hands, in the time that we spend with our family, our entire lives are designed from the very beginning to be an act of worship to God. The reason God created us and created this whole world is fundamentally to bring glory to himself, to reveal his glory, sort of like a sun can't help but shine light. God Mm -hmm. can't help but shine forth his glory. And So there's nothing more natural, more true for us to dedicate our lives to than the worship of God and Mm -hmm. everything that we do and everything that we are. You know, it's interesting. You're kind of talking about just the the glory of God of, and and in some sense, I do feel like what you're saying is that 
God has always been glorious. Yes. God has always been amazing. And so it's kind of a testament to like us slowly coming out of blindness that we appreciate it more and more, you know? If you can't see the light of the sun, that's not the sun's fault, <laughs> right. right? That's your fault. We've been living in the darkness, living in a cave. And when we step out into the light of that sunshine for the first time, it is a revelation because yeah. the sun was shining the whole time, but that doesn't mean I got to enjoy the benefits of the light. It's true. It's true. Uh, and it is so interesting. If I talk to older saints who have been Christians for a while, where Jesus has just been changing them, you know, over time and everything, they'll talk about, and, and I certainly have experienced this, um, just life and and life following Jesus being sweeter and sweeter, yeah. like increasingly. And it, what essentially they're saying, but they don't always say it this way is, God has changed me to appreciate him more and yeah. more because he didn't change. He's the same God for all of eternity. He will always be the same God, but our ability to enjoy him is um, growing. And hopefully we'll continue to grow for all of eternity. I have no doubt that God will spend the rest of eternity showing us more and more of who he is, more and more of his goodness, of his mm. grace, of his mercy, and lavishing his good gifts upon us so that like, a thousand years from now, I'll have more reason to praise him than I do today because mm -hmm. there will be no end to his mercies. There will be no end to his grace, to his benefits, to his goodness. It should be, I think, a very encouraging thing for you and I and any other believer to consider the fact that it will continue to get better. Like, like God's going to yeah. continue. Like, wow. I, sometimes we look back and go, I can't believe how far I've come. But, but the idea that it will always seem like that is kind of interesting. It should always seem like that. I know some folks find their their passion, their their fervor cool as time goes on. And I think there's some some merit to that, right? We shouldn't necessarily rely on these mountaintop moments as the lasting foundation of our faith. They're good to look back on, to remember the faithfulness of God when he did this amazing thing in my life or when he really revealed himself to me in a powerful way. But if I am not finding the daily, regular, normal life that I walk with God growing in its sweetness and mm -hmm. its beauty in my enjoyment of it, then that means that I'm missing out on the good things that God has for me, that I'm missing out on the discipleship walk that Jesus is trying to lead me in. Mm -hmm. And in some way, somehow I'm turning my back on walking side by side with Jesus. Yeah. Uh, what we, we talked about um, in, in this introductory statement that as a church, we believe that if we do this together, uh, if we grow as worshipers together, if we work faithfully the things that Jesus called us to do together, that what happens is that God will produce in our church uh, some things that we call gospel culture. Now that term, we put it in quotes, gospel culture, because it actually, you know, we have to explain it a, a little bit. I mean, that's what these values do is they explain it a little bit. But that came from a, a podcast that we were listening to. Um, it's probably not the only place, but that's where it came from in, in our uh, in the elders' lives, I think. What uh, what do you think of when you think of gospel culture? Well, what I, when I think of gospel culture, one of the first things that comes to mind is what it's not. We're mm. not trying to exhaustively define what it means to be a Christian or even what it means to be a member of Resurrection Church. Right. What we are trying to define by gospel culture is 
when you walk into the doors of Resurrection Church, or even when you've been here for years, what should it look like and feel like to mm. be a member of Resurrection Church? What should be the the aroma or the mm. the, the savor of this community? And um, what should be the sort of distinctive characteristics of this community that sets it apart from like uh, the Lions Club or, you know, the Masonic Temple or whatever other ways that people get together in fellowship in the world. Right. Uh, we, sh- we should have something that really sets us apart from the world, from its communities, from its culture. And those things that Jesus calls us to, we're, we're calling gospel culture. Mm-hmm. The things that we can do that nobody else can accomplish, that people that we can be that nobody else can be because we have the gospel and they don't. Right. And so there's these characteristics that the gospel produces in our communities that we want to celebrate, that we want to grow in, and that we want to call one another to so that we can enjoy the full benefits as a community of the right. gospel. In in your life, um, it, whether it's it's your, your personal walk with the Lord or as a, a dad, a father, um, as a leader, in your life, how do you see or how do you go about the application of becoming— uh, a worshiper, because working faithfully at, at what God loves us to do, you know, producing gospel culture. I mean, like, what is, what does it what does it look like for Nathan Mayer to do that as as dad, husband, elder? Yeah, um, it's been messier than I would like it to be. To be honest, I find that God's will, His desire for me, is not this neatly laid out plan that has steps A, B, C, D, E all the way on into maturity or completeness, right? Yeah. Yeah. But so often it's more like trying to figure out what next step God wants me to take and often finding that instead of it being a linear path, like that next step being just the logical next step to take in a journey to maturity, instead God, God wants me to take a hard left or a hard right because what I thought was Christian maturity was actually me just serving myself Mm. or uh, pursuing my own ambitions Mm, or good. um, And so I have to regularly check my desires, my ambitions, even desires and ambitions that are, are godly on paper or on the face of it and submit them to the Lord and be diligently seeking his presence and his next step will for my Mm. life so that I can walk closely with him. So there's some, some things that I know will lead me to maturity. I have a life. Can, can I, I want to interrupt just say yeah. something because you just said something that I I have noticed over the course of the past um, three years or so. And I want to, I want to honor you about this, but I also want to contrast it. I've, I've noticed some very notable public ministry figures, you know, on social media where I see certain types of behavior and I go, I wonder, I wonder where that came from. You know, it's just not really, it doesn't seem in step with the gospel. It seems overtly, I don't know, mean or or divisive. And I go, gosh, I know that person loved the Lord. Yeah. Uh, I know that person is served faithfully. I wonder how they got to that point. You know, like I, you know, I do. I why want I'm not a big wonderer, but sometimes I watch that and I just go, how did they get there? Yeah. And I and I think it probably would I'd point back to what you just said is like there's this ambition that seems holy because it's about ministry or it's about the kingdom. Right. But it, it's not necessarily obedient to where God's really moving. And I think there's times in ministry where, man, we we just force stuff. 
you know, we're going we're gonna to go plant a church. Right. I, I remember trying to go start a young adults ministry at my last church. And I was certain, like, because we, God wanted us to reach this group. So we, we were going to have to plant this ministry. Pastor Grant Bennett actually helped me do this. He's a, he's a pastor now. He wasn't there. We were real young and we were going we to launch this thing. And it was going to, it was called the big idea. We we're going to launch the big idea. We had graphics and we had a team and we, and like no one showed up, you know, and yeah. I'm just going like, what? And we had really shoehorned that bad boy in there. And that wasn't at all where God was leading. He was actually leading me to go to Hingepoint. Right. I just wasn't listening. And even when we are doing the things that God has called us to, if we allow the love of our own success or the love of um, a significant life to overshadow God's glory, our mm. desire to mm. worship Him or to glorify um, God through that exercise, even if it was something good or something that God was leading us into, He might still not allow us to enjoy the fruits of that labor because it would only corrupt our hearts. It would only serve to lead us away from Him because by giving us what has become the selfish desire of our hearts. He's not actually bringing glory to his name. He's just indulging our selfish desires, our selfish fantasies. Mm. So I've personally poisoned even good things that I truly believe that God was leading me to do by my own selfish, prideful mm -hmm. heart that, that wanted to have more power, more influence, more say in how things worked. You 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 were on on a, a track and I cut you off, uh, and it was about just some personal things that you've done. To kind yeah, of so that. I think there are ways that we can broadly tell that God is leading. Right when I read the Bible, I can say that the commands I read in Scripture apply to all of us universally, and there's no real sensitivity you have to have to figure out how to uh, pray for those who persecute you if you're being persecuted. You have to pray for them. There There's go. not any caveats. There's not any qualifications. <laughs> right. When you are persecuted, pray for those who persecute you. It's simple. And so I have a life vision statement that I developed five, six years ago that I had to wrestle a lot with getting it written down, kind of working out the, the personal calling of God in my life. But ever since then, it's served as a, a solid guide to help me remember what my priorities are. And that vision statement is, I want to be a man who knows God and enjoys him greatly. I want to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Mm. I want to raise my children up in the way that they should go. And I want to shepherd the flock of God. Mm. And that last part was tough for me when I came up with this statement five, six years ago, because I wanted to be a tech CEO or a, a really successful, rich retiree and just like live on the beach from age 40 onward. Um, but God had a different plan for me, a different story for me. And ever since he started leading me down that path of shepherding the flock, I've been blessed to get to walk closer with him, but I haven't gotten to see most of those selfish ambitions, those selfish mm. desires fulfilled. Mm. So remembering that vision statement that God asked me to produce and that uh, kind of serves as a foundation for my direction keeps me from wandering off on really exciting rabbit trails <laughs> that aren't a part of accomplishing that core mission. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, I appreciate it. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me talking about this. Um, we're obviously going to make it through all of our values at some point and uh, 
we're trying to spend some time really applying them to our own personal lives. And then uh, as I hope an example for the church to apply these to their lives and then see what that looks like as the church begins to live them out. So thank you for your time. Yeah. I, uh, I owe you a cup of mushroom coffee. I will happily share. I have bags of the stuff. So <laughs> if you ever want to try it, just let me know. I'll I'm going to take a rain check. <laughs> <laughs> thank you.